0: You know what? I want to wish all of you guys my Christmas wish for all of you. You know what it is? That as we draw to an end of this year, and you reach this kind of weird, chaotic, hectic, but restful Christmas season, that, that I want to wish you a few things. Number one, I want to wish you joy. Joy that is not... That is not Tacked to or pegged to the circumstances around you. So whether everything around you is going great or not so great, there is a joy flowing from inside you that cannot be touched by circumstances. That joy, I bless you with. Amen. Amen. I want to bless you with reunion, reunion of families, reunion of of long-lost loved ones, reunion with God, I bless you with that. And you know what I bless you with? With love. That this Christmas, there will be the love of your loved ones and the love of God in your life. And I also want to bless you with rest with rest. I know for many of you, it's been a long year. 2018 has stretched you. It's been difficult. It's been dramatic for some of you. And I know that some of you, you're not quite out of 2018 yet. I mean, I know we're not out of it. But some of you, some of us are in cool, laid-back holiday mode already. Effectively, you're out of 2018. Some of you are not. You're still stuck in it. You're still in a situation that binds you, and you're praying. You're praying for a breakthrough before the year is over. I pray you find rest and a recharging for next year. You think that's a good Christmas wish? That's my Christmas wish for all of you. Amen. Amen. I'm Pastor Fergus. I pastor the young adults in this church, and it's my joy to be bringing you the Christmas message this year. Now, What I really want to bring you, it's not so much a message as it is good news. How many of you guys want to hear good news? How many of you feel that the newspapers are full of too much bad news? And every day you look around the press, it's bad news. But you know what? You came into the right place for good news. Amen. You came into this place. And you know what? Not just any good news. The best news ever. You came in here and you're going to hear the best news ever. And you know what? Every piece of news needs a headline. My headline for you today is this. War is over. Say it with me now. War is over. War is over. You know, I was going through the crowd half a year ago, in the middle of 2018. And right there, somewhere in the middle, I bumped into a, a, a man. His name, I shall just call him Bob, right? And when I talked to Bob, he was, his speech was slurry, he couldn't quite gather his thoughts, and, 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 and I couldn't quite tell what he was trying to say to me, but I know this one thing, his breath was, it reeked of alcohol, he smelled like alcohol from two chairs away. And he was very honest with me that day. Bob said to me, Pastor, I have a drinking problem. And I told him, Bro, you're in the best place in the world to have a drinking problem. Because I'm going to pray with you. And the God of our house... It's going to break that drinking problem and good news is going to to come upon you in the days and weeks to come. And I prayed with him that God would break the addiction over him. That evening, he walked out for the altar call and we prayed for him. Now, one month ago, I met Bob again, also somewhere in the midst, just like where you're seated. And I sat with him, two chairs away from him and talked with him. And you know what? No alcohol breath. Come on, come on. And you know what? That morning itself, Bob came round to the front and he was prayed for again. And yesterday, yesterday, as I, as we did this same service yesterday, at the end of it, Bob walked right to the front one more time to be prayed for. And you want to know what's going on? War is in the process of being made over for him. But I wanted to share his story with you right from the start so you don't just hear a success story, you hear a process story. Everyone say with me, process story. Bob is on a process story. You know why war is going to be over in his life? This war with, with his addiction to drink is going to be over because the God, he who began a good work, is going to bring it to completion. He's going to complete. He's going to complete that work that he started. And what he's going to do, he's going to take this guy on a journey step by step day by day, week by week, month by month. And I believe for many one of you, your journey will begin here. It won't end tomorrow. It begins here and tomorrow. And day by day, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Do I have an amen for a good word from God like that? Amen. And I want to say this. For if you brought a friend today, I want to say to your friend, Thank you for being here. And if you were the one who brought your friend, I want you to know Christmas weekend, when we preach a Christmas service, it is not just for your friend. It is also for you. God didn't come here to speak to 10% of you. God came here to speak to 100% of you. So if you've been walking with Jesus and you think, oh, the good news, this gospel thing is just for for people who don't know Jesus, you are wrong. Because this good news, best news ever, Christians, we call it the gospel. You've heard that word before, right? The gospel. The gospel is not just something you step into, and then from there, you go to a more advanced thing. I go, I've gone deeper than the gospel. I've gone higher than the gospel. I've moved on from the gospel to bigger, better Christian things like, like sanctification and glorification and all that. No. You know what the gospel is? You stepped into the gospel. You stepped into the best news ever. Bang. And as a Christian, you stay in the best news ever for your whole life. And anything you do by way of going deeper in God, in your walk with God, is deepening into how good that good news really is. Can I have an amen? Christians, do I have an amen? Have the right perspective today as we hear the Word of God. This is not just for your friends. This is for every single one of us. But for your friends... I have a special word for you, war is over. And I want to bring before you and read for you a part of the Bible. It is a very special part of the Bible. In fact, I go as far as to say it's a stunning part of the Bible. You know why? It is a 700-year-old prophecy. You know what a prophecy is? A prophet says something's going to happen, and an X number of years later, it happens, right? It's not a real prophecy if it doesn't happen. This one took 700 years or quite differently. This one was given 700 years prior. I know you and I may not have the idea even, what what was 700 years? I, I can't quite picture it. 1300s was 700 years to now. You know what life was like in 1300s? Gutenberg had not even invented the printing press Right? The Malachan Sultanate was still in existence. That's 700 years ago. Now, 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Isaiah released the word and told what's possibly the first Christmas story ever. You guys want to hear this prophecy? It's stunning prophecy. I want to share it with you. It goes like this. Let's have it on the screen. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, a light has shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor, You have what? Broken. As on the day of Midian. For every boot of tramping warrior in battle to mount, every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. Why? For to us, a child is born to us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace and of the increase of the increase of his government and of the increase of peace There will be no end. No end. Friends, is that a good word? Is that a good word that the government of Jesus and peace will grow and grow and grow and there will be no end? Is that good news? I think that's the best news ever. And I want to spend this time with you to show you how that is the best news ever. But before we can go into good news, I want to bring you into a bit of, if I can say, bad news you know what's the bad news the bad news is this people who walked people walked in darkness that's bad news how many of you have ever walked in darkness you went into a room you closed the door you switched off the lights you drew the curtains and it's pitch black at night. And you're fumbling around, you walk here, you bang into something, you drop something, you crash into into the side of the bed or something like that. How many of you guys, you know what that's like? Man, when I walk in a dark room, I'm a total klutz, right? I bang into everything. Now, I want to tell you one thing about walking in darkness. You could be walking into danger and you wouldn't know it. Because you can't see, my there's no light for you to see. There's no light to illuminate the room so you can see if there is danger. Man, you could be walking into the jaws of death and you wouldn't know it. You just walk right in. That's why when we are in a dark room, our, our bodies instinctively, what? It slows down and we suddenly become very careful. So a smart aleck among you might say, Ah, I know pastor, if you're in a dark room and you want to avoid danger, don't move flat. Just stay in one place, right? Just stay still. You won't die on. Actually, you know what? That's not true. Because if you're in darkness and danger is coming at you, you will also not know it is coming. So friends, walking in darkness is not good news. It's not good news. But it wasn't just people, individuals walking in darkness. You know what it was? The whole land was steeped in darkness. It says, people walking in darkness. And then it says, the land, on those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. You know what it means when the land... When the land is in darkness, it means your society is dark. It means your culture is dark. It means the way you raise children is dark. The way you do business is dark. The way you make extra money is dark. The way you treat old people is dark. The way you treat foreigners is dark. The way you do your marriage and try your best to stay in or not stay in your marriage is dark. That is what it means for a land to be in deep darkness. That's bad news. But you know what's the good news? Boy, I've got good news for you. You know what's the good news? To the people who walked in darkness, you know what happened? They saw a great light. They saw it. Their eyes blew open. They saw a great light. Light came in and they saw it. And this light fell on them. Amen. If I, if I can summarize the whole Christian Faith into one picture, just one picture. Fergus, can you summarize Christianity into one picture? It is this. Light enters darkness and darkness is pushed back. Pushed back. You know when you flip on a switch in a room, the darkness cannot negotiate with the light. Hey, I stay five minutes more, can I not? 30 seconds, come on, 30, 20, 20, give me five seconds more. Darkness cannot negotiate with light. When light comes, darkness must go. It gets pushed into the corners, it gets pushed into the shadows, and if light were to enter those shadows, the darkness would be dissipated forever, properly. That's the power of light. That's the Christian message. And I want to share this with you, really, I, this, is, this is really what's on my heart. I believe that some of you, you walked in here today with a darkness over you, and a darkness inside you. And you know what? You've never known if that darkness would leave you. You've never known if you could drop that shadow and move on without it. I want to give you good news today. You're going to walk out of here beaming because the light of Jesus Christ is going to come into your life and push back that darkness until it is completely gone and you're going to walk out here with the light beaming out of your soul. Amen. 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 So, what happened? What happened when this light fell in to these people who were walking in darkness? They celebrated, they rejoiced as with the joy at harvest. Harvest is when you reap a crop of something you planted. And I want to confess to you this. Last year, I tried to be a bit of a gardener in my house. And I planted chili padi. I planted sweet potato leaf. Um, uh, chili padi died, right? I planted sweet potato leaf. It didn't die. It, it overran and then, and then it died, right? I planted, uh, I had a passion fruit. It died, right? I had a lime. It never fruited. Then it died, right? So I'm not good at this. I realized I'm not good at this. I had a money plant. Who kills a money plant? You can't kill a money plant. I did. I killed a money plant. That's how bad I am at planting stuff, right? Somehow I can say to my wife, I only want to plant things that can reap fruit, that can eat one, you know? Wow, Konon, so clever, right? Because I want to eat the, the, the fruit of my, of my labour. ma. But actually, you know what? I've never tasted the joy of harvesting chili or passion fruit. You know what? Even if you're in agriculture, can I say this? You will never understand what it means for 700 years before Jesus, for them to reap a harvest. You know why? How many of you in agriculture here? Yeah? You know why? Because you've got irrigation on tap. You hit a dry season, boom, water comes up. You just have to water your crop. what, What cost does it come at you? Dry season, water bill higher. That's all. Nothing else happens right but 700 years before Jesus when this prophecy was given and this guy says when light comes into darkness they celebrate as if it was the harvest you know what that celebration is like it is this celebration if you don't get a harvest if it's dry and you don't get a mature crop your fruit does not swell you don't have anything to eat one year crop cycle nothing to eat nothing to trade one year you starve one year you die. That's what it means when you can actually see a harvest and you harvest it. You know what that celebration is? It is a celebration of life over death. That's what reaping a harvest means. And this is Christmas. We are here today to celebrate life over death right? Doesn't the song say that we just sang, uh, here I bow, right here, right now, be lifted high. God of heaven and earth, God who brought me, what? Back to life, I am yours, forever yours, right? That's what it means. God of heaven and earth, God who brought me back to life, I am yours, right? That is the joy as at the time of harvest. And what happened to that darkness? Don't forget there was a darkness. What happened to it? This is what happened to it. The yoke of his burden, broken. The staff for his shoulder, broken. The rod of the oppressor, broken. The burden is broken. Broken, my friends. What this really means is that is that for Bob, I told you about Bob. What it means is that his addiction to drink is broken. What it means is that your addiction to gaming is broken. Your addiction to porn is broken. What it means is that the sickness over you is broken. As I was praying just now by the side, I heard God say a word. There's a man here with cancer of the lungs. Specifically, he said, cancer of the lungs. And then he said, Fergus, pray for this man's cancer to be broken. I want to declare this over you. God of heaven and earth, God who brought you, who will bring you back to life, will break the burden of that cancer of the lung over you. Right? Amen. Amen. This is what happened. When light invades darkness, darkness must flee, it gets pushed away. How? What caused this burden to be broken? What caused it? You guys remember the word? For to us, a child is born. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You mean it wasn't like an army? Like I know if an army marched in, something would get broken. No, it was not an army. It wasn't an army. You maybe it was a brilliant idea, a clever military strategy. Maybe that broke the burden. No. It wasn't. For to us, a child is born. What? You mean a baby being born breaks the burden? Yes. You mean a baby being born somewhere 2,000 years ago breaks your burden today? Absolutely right. And I will spend today showing you how. I will show you how. The burden is broken, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I want to show you through these four names how war is over in every facet of your life. In every facet of your life. So I want to start here with this first name. Everyone say with me, Wonderful Counselor. One- Two, three, wonderful counsellor. Because Jesus' name is wonderful counsellor, your war with being helpless is over. It's over, my friends. You know, we don't really like this word, helpless, right? We don't like it. You know, in fact, our culture celebrates not needing help. Our culture tells us, be strong on your own. You are a strong man, be independent, you know. um, Our culture tells us that that I am a master of my own fate, the captain of my own soul, right? That's what our culture tells us. And meanwhile, by the way, all the self-help books are flying off the shelves. And meanwhile, all the self-help seminars like this are packed to the brim. And then we stand with our, with our bravado and say, I don't need help. I'm a master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my own soul. By the way, how many of you have ever realized how ironic it is that the whole self-help industry, the industry where a guru would write a book and then do a seminar and make you pay for it, so I teach you how to live your life, is called self-help. You ever realize how ironic that is? Because as far as I'm concerned, if someone had to write a book and give it to me, it's not self-help. I didn't do it. They did it for me. They helped me out, right? Maybe we don't dare to acknowledge we need help. Maybe all this posturing, right, is us trying to say, Actually, I need help, but I don't dare to admit I need help. Because I see everybody else on Instagram, they don't look like they need help. Their life seems to be perfect. And I need help, but I don't know where to run, and I have to keep on projecting strength to every single person around me. You know, in the whole of last week, as I was preparing for this sermon, I had this word, a very heavy burden, that there are men in this room, specifically men. It may be a woman as well, but specifically, there, is a me- there are men in this room. You've been projecting strength to everybody around you, but actually you're so afraid inside. I don't know whether you're projecting strength to your staff, but actually you don't know if you can make payroll. Or I don't know if you're projecting strength to your family, but you don't know if you, if you can make ends meet or I don't know if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're projecting strength to yourself and you won't admit it but actually something's gone wrong in your body and you're the only one who knows it, you won't even tell your wife and you're afraid of what you're going to find out so you tell yourself it's nothing, it's nothing, it will go away and you're projecting strength but actually you are so afraid of what actually lies beneath it. Can I say this? If you're a man, prophetically honest, say this God wants you to catch whatever it is early and catch it now so that you can be healed and you can be safe and set free. Don't be afraid to need help. Don't be afraid to want help. And I tell you, Jesus' name is wonderful counselor. He is a good help. The word counselor means guidance, means advice, means shepherding. He helps you. That's who He is, and He's got a good promise for you, my friends. In the Bible, God promises this to you, that I am your strength and your refuge, your ever-present help in time of need. What that means is that if you need help, you call to Jesus, He will help you. If no one helps you, you didn't call to Jesus. If you call to Jesus, He will help you. Why? His promise to you is, I am your ever-present help in time of need. And some days, the help comes through people. Some his help comes through sustaining you in in growing your faith some days come the help may come in a patient. I don't know how the help is going to come but I know this one thing I am he says I am your strength your refuge your ever present help in time of need and I want to share with you a bit about myself I used to be a very emo kid, by the way. Very emotionally volatile young man. Thank God I'm not like that. I'm not like that anymore. Okay, I think my friends know this. My wife knows this. I'm not emotionally volatile anymore. But I was a whoa, such an emo kid, right? And I want to share with you a story of of the time when when I was an emo kid. Now, I was 13 years old. (laughs) These guys are laughing at me. I was 13 years old. And my family, we went to a fortune teller. Right now, some fortune tellers read your palms. Some fortune tellers read your face. This fortune teller read our numbers. So it's into numerology. Okay, what he did was you give him your birth date and then he'll calculate. You give him your birth time, he will calculate. You give him your address, phone number, he'll calculate. You give him your, your credit card number with the CIC at the back, he'll calculate. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, kidding. Let's be fair. He didn't do that, right? He didn't do that. You give him your name, he assigns a numerical value to all the letters, he calculates. And you know what he said to me? You guys want to know what he said to me? I was hoping for something good, right? He said to me a whole lot of things. And then he said this to me, You are going to die alone, lonely and far away from home. You're going to, man, what kind of word is that to give a young man? You're going (laughs) to, merciless, man, this fella. You're going to die alone, lonely, and far away from home. Can I say at 13 years old, I didn't know how to process that? I didn't know how to reject it. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how to go to God and say, I reject this word over me. I didn't know how to do it. In fact, quite the opposite. I thought, oh no, this is my life. That's my fate. That's it. I just hope it doesn't come so soon. I just hope it doesn't come so soon. But I thought, that's it. That's my fate. See, Liao. And so, seven years later, I find myself in Melbourne, Australia, studying Bachelor of Arts. I was doing well. I was doing okay. You know what? I'm going to be honest here, okay? I was privileged. Okay, I'll be honest, I was privileged. I got to study overseas. And I was privileged, I had all my material needs met. And I was doing well in uni, just one, year, just one year before, second year, Bachelor of Arts, I got on the dean's list. So actually, I had everything made. I was okay, I was doing fine. But you know what? I was a wreck. I was a wreck. Third year uni, I was a complete mess. You know why? I was so insecure. And I know some of you, you've got insecure friends and you don't really like them because they're annoying. They keep coming to you for praise. They keep coming to you for, for applause. They keep coming to you to affirm them. Oh, come on, buddy. It's going to make it okay. Yeah, wow, that was so nice. That was good. And if you know, wow, that was me. That was me, okay? So please be patient with your friends who are struggling with insecurity because I know I, I was that guy. And man, I was so messed up. Now, remember I said that I had everything. You know, the Bible has a word to say about that. The Bible says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. You know what this means? It means you can arm yourself to the teeth with material things. But it's evidence that there is a hole in our hearts. And what shape is this hole? It is in the shape of the love of God of Jesus, and you can fill it with material things, it won't fit, it won't satisfy, you can fill it it with money in the bank, it will not satisfy, you can fill it with being on the dean's list, it will not satisfy, you can fill it with having a girlfriend, it will not satisfy, you know why? Because you're not filling it with the only thing that will fit, the love of Jesus, that was me, and I was so volatile, I was manic depressive, up to one point I became suicidal, and I lived on the ground floor of a little apartment with my sister at the, in the middle of one night. I remember exactly in the middle of one night, I, didn't, I woke up, I was feeling so depressed. I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to open the front door because I would wake my sister up. I opened the window, I crawled out. And I walked onto the streets of Melbourne. If you know Melbourne, I was on Royal Parade. It's a very big road and uh, there were lots of cars, lots of trams, right? So I walked out that night saying, first car, first tram, I'm just going to throw myself at it and end it. You know what was the recurrent thought in my brain? That night, you are going to die alone, lonely and far away from home. You guys are horrible. You laughed at that. I don't believe you laughed at that. Second service and first service did not laugh. Man, there's a special place in the afterlife for you guys. Oh, boy. But it's true, you know. It's true. I crumpled into a heap by the roadside, crying into my eyes. I told you i okay, right? Just for real. Crying into my hands. And I thought, this is the day I die. This is the way I die. Alone, chat. Lonely, chat. Far away from home, chat. That's it. See, Liao. By God's grace, I did not die that night. I did not die that night. You know that? Do you know that? By God's grace. Not that I did. Obviously, I didn't die that night. I'm here, right? You should be very afraid if I died that night. Like, who's here, right? By God's grace, I didn't die that night. By God's grace, he stopped. Now, I'm going to be very honest. I don't know if I didn't die because there was no car, or no tram, or no courage, but I'm here today, alive because of Jesus Christ. He saved me. And you know what? One year after that black night, I sat across the table, just like I did many years prior with that, fortune teller. I sat across the table from another man. He was a pastor in a church that I was just visiting for the first time. And you know what he said to me? He said, Fergus, I set before you life versus death, blessings versus curses. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And I grabbed life. I took life and I took blessings. And you know what I realized? Since that day, Jesus' counsel over me has been a word of life. That's why today I'm alive. That's why today I'm alive. And I realized that a fortune teller spoke death over me to a 13-year-old with all his life ahead of me, he spoke death into my life so that I believed it and I believed it so much. deeply. I didn't even realise I believed it, but I believed it and I proceeded to live a life going down the path of death. But the wonderful Counselor's word over you is life and life, abundant life, amen? This is why your war with being helpless is over because Jesus is wonderful counsellor. Everybody say with me, wonderful counsellor. Counselor, Say one, two, three, wonderful counsellor. Man, if you are battling with being helpless and you don't know if you even dare to show it, I know some days you can't show it to everybody, but you can show it to Jesus. Because in Jesus, your war with being helpless is over. Amen? Amen? His second name is this, Everlasting Father. Say it with me at the count of three. One, two, three. Sorry, Mighty God, Mighty God. I'm jumping ahead of myself. We're going to end the service too fast. Say with me, one, two, three, Mighty God. One, two, three. Mighty God. Mighty God. Jesus' name is Mighty God, and because His name is Mighty God, man, your war with being defeated is over. Now, I know in a room, this pack, this pack, some more, right, to the gills. Now, there'll definitely be some of you guys, you are born successful, right? Everything you touched was successful. You got a Midas touch. You touch, it turns to gold, right? You touch this business, it resurrects. You touch this girl, she becomes your girlfriend. You touch these children, they become amazingly well-behaved, right? You win at everything. When you're in school, you won in sports, you won in studies, and you won with girlfriends. You won in everything. Man, you win so much. You win on trade. You win with China. You're gonna win so much. You're gonna win so much that you're gonna get bored of winning. That's you. It's not me, okay? That's not me, okay? That's someone else. <laughs> That's someone else. It's not you. That's me. That's not me. You know what's me? I've never been like that. In fact, I think for most of us, our lives hang on the knife edge between stay alive or die. Between survive or fail. Every day, you face, you stare defeat in your eyes. You look at your bank balance, you don't know if you can make it. You look at your marriage, you don't know if you'll make it. You look at your children, you don't know if they'll make it. Every day, your life hangs in that balance. And you're staring, the margins are so thin. Your margins are so thin. But I want to say this to you, God has a promise over you. God has a good promise over you. You know what he says in the Bible? The lines have fallen for you in pleasant places. That means that what the world says is good luck. Wow, this guy got lucky, man. You know what it means? God says, the lines have fallen for you in pleasant places. I dropped those lines for you in pleasant places. It looks like luck. It is the love of God. It is the grace of God that caused that to fall in pleasant places. That's what it means. But your life is on a knife edge and you're staring at defeat. And sometimes, huh? We stay at defeat. We okay, huh? we respond, we do well, we work hard, we build success, we look good, everything looks good. You know what's inside our ears and behind in our thoughts is the words you heard when you were a little girl and when you were a little boy. You're a loser, you're a failure, you're good for nothing. How many of you, your parents called you good for nothing? How many of you, your parents say you'll never amount to anything? Or a teacher told you you're such a failure? Why can't you be more like ABCDE, right? You guys laughed at that too. My gosh. (laughs) You guys are are merciless. How many of you heard this? And even though you have got this armor of success, this facade, while you're doing quite well, everybody looks at you, they think you're fine. But actually behind that, you're actually so afraid because everybody still calls you this. Those voices are still there. It's still there accusing you. Ha ha. Sila, see Sila, see I knew it, you're a failure. Ha, Sila, see Sila, see I knew it. You're good for nothing. You will never amount to anything. They always, these voices keep on haunting you. I want you to know this: God is your mighty God. He is your. He is your mighty God and you know what? His promise for you, he's got a good promise for you. His promise for you is I am for you. I am for you. And if he he says I am for you, no one can be against you. Who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? No one. God is for you. So if you're staring at defeat, God is for you and he's going to be your mighty God so that your war with being defeated is over. It is over. Why? He loves you so much he stands with you when you stand in his corner in any fight you will never lose because war is over with defeat amen amen but i want to share with you the flip side of this there is a flip side to this i don't want to neglect it if i am for you therefore no one can be against you it also means this if you are against god you will never be in a winning proposition You can't fight with God and win. You can't tentang Him and shake your fist angrily at Him and think you're going to win. That's a losing battle. Don't fight that war with Him, my friends. And I want to tell you this because it is something very personal to me. I learned it the hard way. Emo kid, right? Now emo man. I'm in my early 30s. Still got the residue of my 20s. And I, I went through this episode. I was so angry with God you know I was so angry I felt so betrayed by God now I know some of you you walked in here and there is an anger in your heart about God there's something you were hoping on him for and it didn't come through and ever since that day a part of your heart you've been shaking your fist at him saying why how come how come like that I hate your guts now, you know what? That happened to me. I remember precisely the moment the rage took me over. I got into a car and I started driving and I started yelling and screaming. It started with just sounds and I started yelling and insulting him. And I started banging the, 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 the window, right? By the way, those things are made of Kevlar, though they don't break no matter how hard you beat them, right? And there I was in my cinematic moment. I'm like, Dush! It did, but it was like, oh right? So, so cinematic moment ruined, right? That was so angry, but I was like, wow, that was so painful, man. man. How you, you've done that before? You, bat, you punch something in anger and you were like, right? That was me. I was so angry. Man, I was so angry. I yelled. I, I, I started insulting him. You know, when you fight with someone, sometimes you use purposely one, you use the most insulting words, you use the words that will cut and hurt the most. That's when you're at the best with language. You purposely choose the most hurtful words. That was me. I said all those words to Jesus. Purposely, when I chose the most hurtful words, I said it to him. And also angry. I started cussing. Man, I had not cussed in years. I like in four-letter word, five-letter word, six-letter word, every prefix and suffix into the four-letter. Everything, lah, everything came out. And then suddenly my fingers also started coming out. You know, everything came out. And I spent, you know what? You won't believe it. I spent about one hour just emptying out all my pure hatred. At him, I let it all out. I was that angry with God. And you know what happened? At the end of that one hour, at the end of all that screaming and shouting, you know what? I felt like a dead man. I felt like a dead man. I felt like a shell. That there was nothing left inside me. And I said to God, God... I crossed the line already, right? Obviously, I crossed the line. I blasphemed you. I said every last thing I could say at you. I phoned the kitchen sink at you. You know what you're going to do? Strike me dead, right? So strike me dead lah. Kill me la, right? Kill me. Kill me now. Kill me now. Just end it. Because what? I've crossed the line. I know. I know enough to don't know. I've crossed the line. Kill me now. You know what he said? No. I won't kill you now. No, I won't kill you. I won't strike you dead. I said, why? Why? If someone said all these words to me, I will kill them. Why won't you kill me? He said, because I love you. Because I love you. I've seen you at your worst. Now, I've seen you at your worst. And I still love you. Before you went, entered into this rant, I love you. After this rant, I've seen you at your worst and I still love you. Nothing has changed. I love you. Come home. And can I say this, that night, the love, the gentle, sweet, patient love of Jesus wore me down and He started to bring me home so sweetly, so gently. This is the God I love and this is the God I know. I want you to know this, if you're angry with God, when we say He is mighty God, He's not just mighty in His power to strike things down. He is mighty in His love for you. His love for you is so powerful, so strong, so everlasting, that nothing, no amount of anger on your part at Him can make Him love you less. That's what it means when we say mighty God. So if you're warring with Jesus, I want you to know this, God is for you, not against you. Stop being against Him. I learned it the hard way. Amen? Say with me now, mighty God. One, two, three, mighty God. That is the second name in Isaiah 9. The third name is this, everlasting father. You know, when I was not a Christian, I used to look at this and hear Christians call God father. I used to feel very offended by it. I also don't know why I was so offended. I used to think, wow, why you call God your father? You're not loyal to your father, is it? You go call someone else your father, is it? Call your father father. Don't call God your father. Call him God, right? I was that kind of guy, right? And I really hate that, you know why? I think I never understood what it meant to be loved by a God who loves you not just like a father, but as a father. Yesterday evening, I came to church by grab and I was sitting in this, in this car with this girl. My grab driver was a girl from, from Sabah. And so, she visited church before there and she asked me, oh, um, uh, kamu orang, uh, when, you, when you pray, uh, uh, you doa kepada Father, Son and Holy Spirit tak? I said, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ada, ada. Ada, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Semua ada. She, uh, she, she asked me, all God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. She asked me, kenapa ada Father and Son? Ah? Kenapa ada Father and Son? I said to her, other father and son because God loves us as a father. Dia kita seperti, bukan saja seperti, sebagai father. That's what his love is for you. I want you to know this. If you've gone from place to place being rejected, rejected, rejected. Man, this year, I journeyed with a brother. He was rejected by his wife. Can you imagine what it's like to be rejected by your wife? Some of you here, you can imagine because you've, you've been rejected by a loved one before. It hurts and it hurt for him, it really hurt for him. And I, and I journeyed with a man who rejected his wife and it must have hurt his wife. We are all built with this desire to be loved, accepted by people. If you're fighting with rejection because someone you love has pushed you away, I want you to know this. Jesus is your everlasting Father. And this friend whom I've been journeying with for this whole year over his marriage and the breakdown of his marriage, I want you to know this. He loved his wife so much, he would hang on to that marriage and honour his marriage covenant to the very, very end. And even as the whole thing was about to fall apart, I asked him, bro, if she would turn around and take you back, would you take her back? He say yes, in a heartbeat he would say yes. And I thank God for that for him because, because even though his wife did not give him an everlasting love, God's promise over him is that I love you with an everlasting love. And he has the love of an everlasting father. So yesterday evening after the service was done, he came up to me and he hugged me and he thanked me for a year of journeying together. And I saw the light in his life, not because his wife stayed with him, but because his God will never leave him. Even if everybody leaves him, him. no one no one can cause God to leave him because God says nothing shall separate you from the love of God nothing can make him stop loving you Amen so everybody say this with me everlasting father and with that we go on to the last point prince of peace say with me one, two, three prince of peace because he is your prince of peace your war with the storm is over your war with the storm. Now, remember just now, my Christmas wish for you is that you have rest and recharging at this end of the year. Now, I know for some of you, you're thinking, rest, good luck, man, rest. Where got rest? You know why? Because you are in such a turbulent time of your life. In fact, ngam-ngam, Christmas, everything seems to be falling apart. Ngam-ngam, Christmas, a storm is brewing, is brewing in your life. I know this because three days ago, I went for a wake service. And it was for one of the as a father of one of my young adult leaders. And I went there and, 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 and we prayed together with her and we grieved along with her. A storm was suddenly blowing in her life. Just when? Just before Christmas. And I know that for you, a storm might be blowing in your life. And the tornado of emotions is just erupting everywhere. And I want you to know this, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And because he's your Prince of Peace, your war with the storm is over. I want to share with you one last account from the Bible. There was a time when Jesus got into a boat with his disciples. They rowed out into a sea at night. And while they were there, a storm started breaking out. And water started filling the boat. And everything was about to capsize. And the disciples turned to Jesus and said, Master, help us. We're going to die. And you know what Jesus said? You know what he did? It says in the Bible, he got up, rebuked the wind. Now let's just hang on there. Who rebukes the wind? Who scolds the weather? You scold the weather? I don't scold the weather. You know why I don't scold the weather? Do you know how stupid we would look like if we scold the weather? What are you going to do? What? Go to the window, pull everything open, and go, Oi, stop lie, Stupid. Is it you don't know? Is it we're busy? You, are we going to do that? You know, you know why we would look so stupid if we tried to rebuke the wind, because the wind would not listen. What happened here? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, "Quiet, be still." Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. Who rebukes the wind? Jesus rebukes the wind. Prince of Peace rebukes the wind. And the wind... And waves obey him. Now I know there's definitely some skeptics in here who are going like rubbish, lah, this story, stupid. I knew it. All your Christians full of rubbish, stupid stories, impossible. Where got people? You know, I know you are in good company, my friends. Because one line after this, go check it out, Mark chapter four. Go check it out. One line after this, the disciples were in shock and awe, and they stared at each other and they said exactly what you're saying right now. Who's this man? Whom even the waves and wind obey him. Exactly the same disbelief that you have when you see this word. You know who is this man? Prince of Peace. Only the Prince of Peace can speak peace into that storm. You know why? Because He is the Prince over all peace. You know why? Because He is the Lord over all storms. So the storm can blow at you and I, it can blow in the uh, on, on the seas, but it cannot blow at Jesus. The moment Jesus says, quiet, be still, the storm must obey. Why? Because He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord over the storm. It means that He is in perfect control. Amen? I want to show you, and one one last word, it's a very curious word, I like it very much, and with this we'll close. Somewhere in Isaiah 9, in the middle of all that stuff there, there is this weird, weird expression, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Have you ever wondered what that meant? The government shall be upon, like the parliament is on his upper back, what does it mean, right? Government shall be upon his shoulders. You know what this means? This means, that Jesus bears the weight of being in control. He shoulders the burden to be in charge. You know why I like this so much? It means I don't bear the burden to be in charge. If I bore the burden of being in control, I will crumple under its weight. I would not survive, and none of us would survive. But I thank God, Jesus says, the government shall be upon my shoulders. He is in perfect control so that you and I can be a mess before him, and everything will be fine because he is in perfect control control. He is in charge. Amen. But I want to say this, friends. If you came here visiting with us and you can hardly believe what you're hearing, I want you to know this. This is the best news Ever That Jesus, the God who loves you, that wonderful counsellor, that mighty God, that everlasting Father, that Prince of Peace is in perfect control of your life. And if you turn your life into His hands, everything will be safe because you will be safe in His hands. Free falling into the arms of Jesus is the safest thing you can do. But I want you to also know this. How did Jesus be in perfect control over everything until the waves and wind obey Him? How? What else had to go on His shoulder? What else had to go on His shoulder before the government could go on His shoulder? Christians, I think you know the answer to this. The cross had to go on His shoulder. That horizontal beam that pinned His hands to death had to go on his shoulder. And after that happened, then the government got on his shoulder. And then he can be wonderful counsellor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. You know what he did? He came, he was born on Christmas day, humble, lowly, to be like a man, man, like just like one of us. And then he grew up sinless. And then he became, he became a, a minister in public arena. And he showed everyone a better way to live and a way to die so that you will live again. And what he did, he bore our helplessness. And he wore it on his shoulders all the way to the cross and he died in that helplessness and then he triumphed over that self that helplessness so that now he can come back to us and say i am your wonderful counselor and your war with being helpless is over because i've brought victory into that part of your life and what else did he wear on his shoulder he wore our defeat Man, He wore our defeat and He wore it on His back. Loser, failure, good for nothing. You call yourself a god. You can't even save yourself. That's what happened. He bore that on the cross and He died in it and then He triumphed over it so that now He can come back to you and say, I am mighty God. Your war with being defeated is over. Lung cancer, I break your power over that brother. you be gone in the name of Jesus. Your war with being defeated is over. And you know what He bore on His shoulders? Our rejection. He bore it all the way to the cross. They spat at Him, they insulted Him all the way and He died in that rejection. Even the Father would look away. And then He triumphed over that rejection so that now He says, I am everlasting Father. Your war with being unloved, your war with being rejected is over. I will love you forever. And then He bore our storms. Oh, how He bore my storms. You heard my life story. How He bore my storms. And He's going to bear your storms as well. You know how heavy our storms were on him so heavy he died in them they pinned him on the cross and then he died but triumphed over that storm so that now he can come back and say I am your prince of peace your war with that trouble your war with that chaos is over because I am your prince of peace friends I want to give a call. It is the most important call you will ever hear in your life. I am not overstating it without flinching. This will be the best decision you ever make. If you walked in here and you're not a Christian and you maybe you never knew what Jesus looked like but today you've seen Jesus. A people who walked in darkness have seen a great light today you see jesus and you want to make him your wonderful counselor your mighty god your everlasting father and your prince of peace i want you to raise your hand at the count of three one two three if that is you can you raise and just stretch it all the way up and we want to see that hand and we want to we want to invite you into a life of loving and knowing Jesus if that is you and as you raise your hand you're saying Jesus I need help Jesus I need help you're not saying that to anyone here you're saying it to Jesus I need help I want you to come and be my lord and be my savior friends you know this chance this christmas is your chance friends if you brought your friend here if you brought your friend here can you turn to your friend right now and ask them do you want to receive jesus to be your lord to be your savior to bring an end to the war with the storm to bring an end to your war with rejection if that is you i'm gonna count to three I want to invite you to raise your hand, just stretch it up, all eyes closed, all eyes closed, all heads bowed, everyone, nobody looking around, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. If you want to receive Jesus into your life, to be the Lord over your storm and to save you, at a count of three, please raise your hand. One two three if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior can you raise your hand right now up in the balcony if there is anyone upstairs who wants to receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior can you raise your hand And you know what? As you raise your hand, you're saying to Jesus, I love you. I want you. You have seen me at my worst and you still love me. Clearly, there is no love greater than your kind of love. I want to love you. I hated you before. I was angry with you before. I never knew you before. But today, you love me with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name, if you want to receive Jesus, can you raise your hand and be saved? An everlasting life will come into you. Everlasting life will come upon you. I want to give a second call. a second call. And in this call, I want to call upon every one of you who may have been far from Jesus. You used to walk with him you walked closely with him a long time ago but you've walked far away from him and you hate it sometimes that people use this word on you they say you have backslidden you don't like it but in reality you're far from god and that's all i want to say you want to come home to jesus if that is you i want to invite you to come to the front in a moment we're going to open the altar i want to invite you to come to the front and if there are christians here and you're facing a storm in your life and you don't know what's going to happen and you're so afraid of the future and you're projecting strength to everybody but you don't know if everything's going to collapse and you're looking and you're crying out for a breakthrough God, by the end of this year, breakthrough! I want to invite you in a moment to come to the front but before that, I want to share with you this yesterday after the service, I stood with a couple tears in their eyes And they say, Pastor, our son is going through exactly what you went through. Our son is in the US right now. He's going through exactly what you were going through. And I prayed with them that the mighty God will keep them strong and everlasting Father's love will find them. If you're looking for a breakthrough for yourself, for your family, for your marriage, for your children, maybe they are a wreck. For your business, for, for 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 making ends meet. For whatever, maybe it's something happening in your health. Maybe you just went for a checkup, and you're so afraid of what you're gonna find out. If you're looking for a breakthrough, in a moment we'll all rise, and I want to invite you all to come to the front. Let us all rise right now, even in the balcony. If possible, try not to leave because the Lord still wants to do a work inside you. Why don't we all rise and let us worship with this song? Because where would you run? Where would you run but to Jesus? Where would you run but through the throne of mercy? Let us worship with this song. If you want prayer, come to the front. If you want to be ministered to, come to the front there'll be pastors and leaders out at the front to minister to you and to find breakthrough for you that war is over and in this place, God's hand will be upon you He will be your refuge He will be your strength He will lead you into a safe place Let's worship with this song To lift you high Jesus, be glorified in all things. For all my life, I am yours, forever yours. Friends, as we approach Christmas Day, I want to bless you with reunion and reconciliation in your families. My word over you today is that families that have been broken will be restored. Their reunion dinners over Christmas will knit families back together. I speak that blessing over you. And I know it might come at an inconvenience to go round about the way but God is going to bring a reconciling and in out of your reuniting and then he will bring rest and then he will bring rest so I pray that the work that he began here he will bring it to completion he will bring you on a process to bring you to completion because God is faithful to his word So Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak life over this congregation. In the name of Jesus, separate us now with your blessing. May the love of God the Father, everlasting Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who bore all our storms to the cross and defeated it, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, who empowers us daily, be with you. the end of this year and carry you into the new year so you can really say Merry Christmas and a happy new year. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Praise Praise God.